Section 18, comprising chapters 48 and 49 of Life and Adventures of Frank and Jesse James by J.A. Dacus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by P.J. Landau. Chapter 48, Hunting Clues. Marshal Liggett, his efforts to hunt down the robbers. Jesse James once more to the front. After the affair at Glendale, the Marshal of Kansas City, Major James Liggett, a cool-tempered, clear-headed man, took charge of the case and directed all movements intended to result in the discovery of the robbers. It was soon ascertained, beyond a doubt, that Jesse James had been in Kansas City only a few days before the robbery. Then the inquiry proceeded as to who else had probably been participants. It came to the knowledge of the marshal that Jim Cummings, Ed Miller, and a hard character named Blackamore had been moving about the country in a suspicious way. Little by little, fragmentary scraps of information were secured, and a generalization of all the facts led to the general conclusion that the train robbery at Glendale had been effected under the direction of the James boys. That certainly Jesse, and probably Frank, had participated in it, and that Jim Cummings, Ed Miller, and Blackamore were probable accomplices. The next important point to gain was information concerning the route traveled by the bandits in their retreat from the scene of their lawless depredation. This was not so easy a task as the uninitiated might conclude. The character of much of the country in western Missouri, with the thorough knowledge of the region possessed by the principals in the outrage, forbade an easy discovery of the route which they had taken. But the marshal had called about him men as well acquainted with the country as any of Quantrell's old raiders could be, and the little information gathered by each one finally brought together led to the inference that they had gone in a southerly direction toward the Indian Territory. The inference afterward became a certainty. Their trail was discovered. Men were at once placed at various points on their probable line of retreat. Men were dispatched on their trail to hunt them to their places of concealment. There were men in western Missouri who had ridden with the old guerrilla band, bold, daring men who laid aside the weapons of destruction when the war closed. Men who had never learned the meaning of the word fear, who yet became weary of turmoil and strife, and settled down in life as quiet citizens, who long ago ceased to sympathize with their old comrades in their acts of outlawry, and who, notwithstanding their peaceable demeanor, were subjected to annoying suspicions at every recurrence of the visitations of their former associates, who felt when the train was robbed at Glendale that it was time to take a positive stand on the side of the law and to cooperate with the officers in every endeavor to put an end to such depredations for all time by capturing the depredators. These persons became active allies of Marshal Liggett in his efforts against the bandits, and materially contributed to the discovery of the robbers and the line which they had chosen on their retreat. So the active campaign began. There is reason to believe that after the robbery was consummated, at least a part of the band went into Clay County and remained in seclusion there for some days. Then they started south. It was pending these events that Marshal Liggett made an arrangement with George W. Shepard, formerly a guerrilla captain, under whom Jesse James served near the close of the war, to take part in the campaign then about to be prosecuted against the bandits. 
as subsequent events have brought shepherd prominently before the public and the mystery which attaches to some of the proceedings will continue to excite the interest of the public until it is cleared up it is deemed best to present a brief history of the career of george w shepherd in this connection chapter forty nine george w shepherd the childhood and youth of shepherd his adventures in utah enters the confederate service joins quantrell's band gets into trouble with the gang at the time of russellville becomes inimical to the jameses engages with marshal liggett joins the band the short creek fight the name of george w shepherd which attained prominence during the old guerrilla times when he was one of quantrell's most trusted lieutenants had passed out of the public mind in a measure until the events following the glendale train robbery once more brought it prominently before the country at the time of the affair at glendale shepherd was following a peaceful avocation in kansas city it was known to the marshal of that place and other officers of the law that the relations subsisting between the james boys and shepherd had been rather unfriendly for several years and overtures were made looking to his engaging in the pursuit of the outlaws shepherd's reputation for desperate courage was not inferior to that of any other man in the days when he led a band of quantrell's men and when marshal liggett of kansas city had obtained his consent to engage in the desperate undertaking everyone expected some sensational denouement a history of the jameses after the events which occurred since glendale would be incomplete without some notice of george w shepherd the man who is credited with engaging in a terrible conflict with jesse w james and his followers near joplin missouri resulting in the alleged death of the outlaw and in shepherd's receiving a severe wound in the left leg george w shepherd is a son of the late james shepherd a respectable farmer of jackson county missouri he was born near independence january seventeenth eighteen forty two on a farm now belonging to the staten heirs there were two brothers older than george namely john and james m and one brother his junior whose name was william j m shepherd is now a respectable farmer in jackson county during his boyhood George resided with his parents on the farm, and when of sufficient age, he attended the neighborhood school for a few months every summer and winter until he was able to read, write, and cipher, as he expressed it. In early youth, he manifested an adventurous and somewhat wayward disposition. In 1857, he left home and proceeded to Utah, where he joined the army, at that time operating against the mormons under the command of general albert sidney johnston the shepherd family which originally came from virginia were a race of pioneers and the disposition of the subject of this notice to seek exciting adventure on the borderland of civilization was legitimately inherited after a varied experience and absence of two years george returned to missouri in the autumn of eighteen fifty nine and resumed farming operations with his brothers. He continued in this employment on a farm about one mile and a half distant from Independence until the commencement of warlike preparations in 1861. Seized by the prevailing military fever, and his surroundings being all Southern, 
George W. Shepherd was among the first to cast his lot with the Confederate recruits. He enlisted in Company A, Captain Duncan's, of Rosser's Regiment. This command participated in the great battles fought at Wilson's Creek and Pea Ridge, and engaged in many other skirmishes in Missouri and Arkansas, in all of which he took a part. When the Confederate Army, under the command of General Sterling Price, was ordered to the east of the Mississippi, young Shepard returned to Jackson County, and soon afterward joined Quantrell's command of guerrillas. The war record of Shepard would fill a volume if written out in full. For this we have not the space. We can only summarize the chief events in this part of his career. We first hear of George Shepard in a desperate charge made by Quantrell's men on the garrison at Independence in February 1862. On that occasion, he and a comrade, William Gregg, swept down one of the streets of Independence, causing the greatest consternation and inflicting no little damage on the soldiers of Colonel Burris's command. From that day forward, Shepard took rank among the most daring of Quantrell's men. When Quantrell's small command of 20 men was surrounded at night by a large federal force, while asleep in the Tate House near Santa Fe, Jackson County, Missouri, in March 1862, Shepard was with the guerrillas there, and was selected to guard one of the doors of the house. The conflict which ensued was terrible. After some minutes fighting, and when the house had been fired, the Federals desired a parley with a view of inducing the guerrillas to surrender. Shepard commanded the men who defended the lower rooms of the house. He asked for twenty minutes' time. It could not be granted. For ten minutes, no. For five minutes, then. No, if the guerrillas did not yield within one minute, not a man of them should escape, was the ultimatum of the Federal officer. Then count sixty, exclaimed Shepard, and take the consequences. The fight was renewed. That house had become a pandemonium. In it were such men as Cole Younger, Stephen Shores, John Jarrett, James Little, Hoy, Haller, and others. The Federal commander permitted Major Tate and his family to leave the house. Then the fighting was resumed more fiercely than before. The building was on fire. It was manifest that the guerrillas would be forced to evacuate their fortress. It was resolved to break through the Federal line. Quantrell led the desperate charge, followed by George Shepard, Jarrett, Younger, Toller, Little, Hoy, and others. Seventeen men made the attempt and succeeded in making their escape. Three had surrendered before the attempt was made. Once, in the spring of 1862, George Shepard, Cole Younger, and Oliver Shepard were surrounded at the house of John Shepard in Jackson County. Their peril was imminent. The Federal force numbered ten to their one. Cole Younger was about to lead a desperate sortie when Martin Shepard, Scott, Little, and John Coger came up and attacked the Federals in the rear. The diversion enabled the Shepherds and Younger to escape from the house. Soon after the incident noted above, George Shepard and Cole Younger were detailed to go into Jackson County for the purpose of collecting ammunition. They had collected a large amount of the materials of war which were most needed in Quantrell's command. One day they went to find a wagon to convey the ammunition to camp. They were at a house behind which was an orchard, and this had been sown in rye, which was now tall and luxuriant. 
While at this house, 75 federal troopers surrounded the place and demanded their surrender. They refused and made a rush to the rye-grown orchard ground where they had hitched their horses. Beyond the orchard was a skirt of timber, now clothed in luxuriant green. They gained the orchard in safety, although followed by a storm of bullets. Mounting, they made a dash for the forest, but they were not destined to reach it unscathed. Three buckshot had penetrated the body of Cole Younger, and George Shepard was hit hard and badly wounded. He, however, continued his flight until he reached a shelter where he could receive surgical attention. It was about harvest time, 1862, that Major Peabody undertook to capture Quantrell's band by a vigorous movement with superior forces. The two joined issue at Swearingen's place a few miles from Pleasant Hill, Cass County. A series of desperate encounters followed. The guerrillas were forced to seek shelter in the woods. In the fights which ensued, George Shepard lost his horse. The guerrillas suffered fearfully, both in the neighborhood of Swearingen's barn and later in a depression near Fred Farmer's house. A number of Quantrell's followers were seriously wounded. George Shepard had great difficulty in escaping from this sanguinary engagement. He was again wounded, though not severely. Colonel Upton Hayes, Colonel Gideon Thompson, and Colonel John T. Hughes, cooperating, resolved upon attacking independence, then garrisoned by a federal force of about 500 men under command of Colonel J.T. Buell, now of St. Louis. The Confederate forces numbered about 700. Quantrell was requested to aid the enterprise and joined his forces with the regular Confederate troops in an attack on independence. George Shepard was there and fought with desperate valor. After the battle was over, when Quantrell was asked to name the men of his command who had most distinguished themselves for daring courage, George Shepard was designated as one among half a dozen others. In the early days of the autumn of 1862, George Todd, commanding about 50 men, prepared an ambuscade with rifle pits on the road leading from Kansas City to Harrisonville. The place was admirably selected, and the utmost caution and vigilance was observed in guarding it, but it came near being a slaughter pen for the guerrillas. One evening he succeeded in destroying a wagon train and scattering the escort which accompanied it. But some time afterward, Gregg, Scott, Haller, and Shepard, with a number of followers, reoccupied the rifle pits. George Shepard was sent out on the road toward Harrisonville, south of the ambuscade. It was perhaps past ten o'clock at night. The rifle pits were still, and the droning hum of insects was the only sound to break the silence. Shepard was motionless at his post down the road. Suddenly he was made conscious of the presence of an enemy by a tall form which rose up at his right stirrup, a form which had apparently come from the shadows around him, but it was no apparition conjured up by a disordered brain, the leveling of a gun barrel at his breast, and the sharp utterance of the single word surrender convinced George Shepard that the form was very real. A glance satisfied him that crouching forms were all about him, and all were armed. He threw himself forward, shot the dismounted trooper in the breast as he whirled his horse around, 
and received a scattering volley as he dashed away to arouse his comrades in the rifle pits. The Federal forces were under command of Major Hubbard, a gallant officer of the 6th Missouri Cavalry. He had received full information about Todd's rifle pits, had dismounted his command, and but for Shepard's extraordinary nerve and presence of mind, he would have made a complete surprise of the guerrilla garrison. As it was, a terrible conflict ensued, and a number of Federals were killed, and eight of the guerrillas were wounded, among them Shepard, who received a slight flesh wound. In August 1863, Quantrell began to rally around his standard all the small detached bands in western Missouri for his expedition against Lawrence, Kansas. At this time, Shepard was one of his confidential advisers. In that grim council of war, summoned by the guerrilla chieftain to consider the feasibility of engaging in such an enterprise, George Shepard sat among the stern, relentless warriors of the border. When Fletcher Taylor returned from Lawrence, whither he had gone to obtain information concerning the military situation there, he made his report at Quantrell's headquarters to the assembled leaders. The chief spoke, quote, You have heard the report. Before you decide, you should know it all. The march to Lawrence is a long one. In every little village there are soldiers. We leave soldiers behind us. We march between garrisons of soldiers. We attack a town guarded by soldiers. We must retreat through swarms of armed men. And when we would rest after such an exhaustive march, we must do so with soldiers all about us, and do the best we can. Come, speak out, somebody. What is it, Shepard? Thus appealed to, the answer came deliberately and firmly from George Shepard. Lawrence, I know the place of old. They make no difference there between Negroes and white people. It is a Boston colony, and it should be cleared out. Unquote. And the others gave similar replies, and so the expedition, which was destined to be fraught with consequences so baleful, was resolved upon. George Shepard went with the rest of the command, and in the terrors and tragedies of that dreadful day, he had his share. The winter of 1863-4, Shepard spent in Quantrell's camp in the vicinity of Sherman, Texas, leading a comparatively inactive life. But the following summer, he was engaged in innumerable skirmishes. At Pink Hill, in Johnson County, at Pleasant Hill, at Keatsville, and many other places, the fighting was severe. Then came the mustering to aid General Price. In that summer campaign, the guerrillas took a conspicuous part. Toward the middle of September, Bill Anderson was carrying destruction to many neighborhoods in North Missouri. Todd and Anderson combined had a force of a little more than 200 men. In this troop rode George Shepard. He was present at Centralia. The particulars of that dreadful day's work are given in another place in this volume, and need not now be recited. It may be accepted as a fact that George Shepard performed his part in that carnival of death. Price and Shelby were compelled to retire from Missouri. In a desperate encounter with the Federal advance in pursuit of the retiring Confederate army, Todd, who was protecting the rear, was killed. George Shepard succeeded him in the command, and after lingering a while in Missouri, he led the remainder of the once formidable band of guerrillas, save about 20 men who went with Quantrell into Kentucky, to Texas. 
The forces under Shepherd had fighting all the way. The Indians beset their pathway and struck at them viciously as they marched. Among those who went to Texas with this force was Jesse James. In the following spring, the guerrillas, or at least a part of them, returned. The cause of the Confederacy had suffered. Lee surrendered. Johnston followed. The catastrophe came. The Confederacy was no more. Then the guerrillas of Missouri were permitted to go in and surrender, and all save eight men of the band which Shepard had led back from Texas surrendered. His career as a guerrilla had ended, and Shepard went to Kentucky soon after the close of the war. End of section 18